Sports Talk New York with your hosts, Mark Rosenman and A.J. Carter. Sports Talk New York is sponsored in part by Prince Associates for all your insurance needs, the Phoenix Tube Company, the law firm of Declator Cohen and DePrisco, Solomon Jewelers, and General Needs Charity, serving our homeless veterans with dignity. And now, here are your hosts, Mark and AJ. Joining us now is a man who, according to his website, was the guy in school we all hated because he was good at everything. He made perfect grades, was captain of every team, played three instruments, and excelled at art. But what he really wanted to do was to be in sports. He won piano competitions, art competitions, mathematic competitions, but it didn't matter because what he really wanted to do was be in sports. His first entry to the world of sports was via broadcasting where he worked in several TV studios and was soon working golf tournaments, hockey games, horse races all over Western Canada. But he was seeing them through a camera lens or a television monitor, and it wasn't good enough for him. Through his art, he's finally in the professional sports world. It is a pleasure to welcome S. Preston, or Preston, to Sports Talk New York. Welcome, Preston. How you doing? How are you guys doing? I'm doing great. We're doing really good. So first off, what I find incredible is that you've never been to art school. Everything you create is self-taught. So first off, how did you realize that you had such a talent for art? Well, I've always been an, an art uh, guy. I was. I did a lot of art. My my brother does art. My sister's a pianist. Uh, so I've been always sort of in the family. Uh, but uh, I've, I've never actually pursued art as a career. I've always had a creative flair behind everything that I did throughout my career. Uh, now, I, I, like I, some people put that as a badge on them that they never took to art school. For me, my art career took off when I was forty. It probably would have taken off for. At, if I actually went to art school, so it does take a lot longer. So all you kids who uh, don't want to not go to school, that's my little lesson there. Um, you'll you'll get you get there faster if you went to school. But um, I just love creating art, creating, opening a computer and designing something new every day. I just made a point of doing that all my life. So um, it's this luckily it culminated into a career as an artist. One of the styles that you use in Excellent is minimalist art. Can you explain to our audience what that style entails and why that you know specific genre appeals to you so much? Uh, it, it's it's actually kind of funny explaining art on a radio show, <laughs> uh, but uh, so the, the art the concept of minimalism is around in the art world. It's it's basically less is more. Um, if the more that you take away from something, the more simple it is, and it becomes cleaner. And we, we as fans uh, or art appreciators will look at it, and we'll be able to fill the gaps, and we'll start using our own memories and thoughts to fill those gaps. And that's sort of my approach to minimalism. Uh, I just got to show you something, and it should trigger an emotion. Um, I actually come from an advertising world. Uh, graphic design, doing ads and print and stuff. So that's what we do as an ad, in ads. Is we create a we create a brochure or something, and it has to um, create an emotion with with very quickly. So, anyways, I took that concept and brought it into the sports world, um, where art is not normal. I guess uh, I always compare it to as the the kids the kids in high school that were the jocks and the kids in high school that were the art class. They never really mixed, but I was the guy that was sort of both. So. Um, I brought that into the art world, and um, it sort of blew up. It was it was new and fresh. Uh, this old concept of minimalism. So, taking that a, a step further, some of the things that you're known for are ballpark mascots and logos. So, when you set out to do a ballpark print in that style, how do you set out to define the item or even part of that item that's going to convey that essence of that ballpark to the fan instantly when you see it? That you go, "Wow, Shea Stadium or you know Anaheim or Yankee Stadium." 
And what is the, the process, your thought process of, of weeding out, you know, eh, that doesn't really capture it, but this does? Um, that, that one's, that's a hard question. And to your, to your people listening right now, like, so what my artwork is, I just took one piece of every stadium and I just made a piece of art, minimalist art, out of that. And by seeing that piece, you would recognize it as a sports, as a sports fan or as a baseball fan, you would recognize that just because you know it. Uh, and it makes you a better fan, I think, because <laughs> if I just show you the apple sticking out of, out of center field in, in City Field, any Mets fan will know what that is. And, and again, you would create emotions. The Yankee Stadium is the freeze um, around the whole stadium. It's a swimming pool in Chase, Chase Field uh, in Arizona. So that's, that's the concept behind my art. And I think, I think where the mixture of creative arts um, comes into play with me is the idea. It's, it's the... It's that I am a sports fan. I do know what connects to a sports fan. I know that the the home, like the Miami home run sculpture, isn't what sports fans love about going to the ballpark. A Marlins fan goes to the ballpark and they remember the aquarium sitting behind them. That's what supports them. So it, it is a, it is a vetting process to try to figure out um, me as a sports fan. If I imagine myself as that fan, what 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 is important to them if they went to games and what represents them? Which ballpark or hockey arena posed the biggest challenge for you? Oh, actually, the last one was um, St. Louis, funny enough. It's a beautiful, beautiful ballpark. Um, it doesn't have a lot of features. Uh, and you know what? I'll be honest. I have not done the Globe Life Field yet. Uh, again, uh, what I've seen of it is a beautiful ballpark, but not a lot of unique, identical features. And that's um, always a difficulty. And I, with St. Louis, I settled in on the, the arch that was mowed into the, the grass, um, which is very iconic and very St. Louis. And I'm happy I figured it out, but it took a little while to not look around the stadium and actually just look at the grass and figure that one out. So what's pretty cool is I've been a fan of your work for quite some time, and I had the opportunity to actually meet you at the NHL Fan Fest. And one of the pieces that like, I just could not take my eyes off of, and I, I just marveled at how incredibly uh, intelligent it was and just everything about it, and it was the Stanley Cup uh, Blues cut print. Can you describe, and again, it's radio, so I, I'm not going to do it justice. So could you just paint the picture verbally of what that print actually is and what the process was for you from you know, your concept in your mind to the final product? Did it take on different, you know, uh, were there different versions until you got to that final version? Um, actually, they come to me pretty quickly, I'll be honest. So the, the description of the artwork is it's it's a zoom in of a trumpet, uh, which is very blues, St. Louis blues. It's part of the, one of their their alternate logos. Uh, it's a zoom in of a trumpet, and instead of the three keys that they use, I don't know what they call them, but one of the keys is is a Stanley Cup, the, the outline of a Stanley Cup. So um, that uh, that piece itself, I think, uh, I, I would I can't say for certain. Maybe two or three revisions, but I knew I wanted to do the trumpet. I knew that when I saw it right away. Uh, I just had to figure out how to incorporate it within within the artwork of, of that trophy. So um, that one that one was really cool. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And you did the same thing, similar with with the Nationals and the Major League Baseball, you know, championship. From a business standpoint, what does it take to get licensed with the various professional sports, and how does it impact the price you need to sell your art for? Um, that's that's a really interesting question. I get asked that all the time. I'm uh, one of four licensed artists in the world that actually have my own MLB license. I'm the only NHL licensed uh, artist uh, that has my own license. So it is, it is very rare um, business 
to be in. Uh, I was I got lucky enough that I that the MLB really really loved my pieces and thought there would be a great uh, it, it, it it would it spread across the whole league and it, it you know addresses all the fan bases and it was um, very clean art. Um, but it, it is an expensive process and I a lot I coach a lot of artists who say um, you know it's the insurance required the the the, the monetary um, commitment. Uh, the I had to get investors and I quit my job and I and I jumped in two feet so. Is extremely expensive to get started. I notice you also have a Chuck Jones collection. How does getting a license for that differ from getting the professional sports license? I'll say licensing in general is <laughs> is about equal. They all have their own little nuances. But um, so I mean, what someone coached me right from the beginning, and once you get that insurance, and I like to say it's about fifteen to sixteen million dollars worth of annual insurance that's required to have a license. It's it's a crazy number. We looked at it and we were like, "Oh my goodness, how are we going to pay for this? Um, the premiums on this." But uh, once you have that insurance, it actually you just tell, a lot of licensees are actually uh, can, um, you you you've broken down a huge barrier to adding other licenses because uh, they go, "Oh, you got the insurance for it, perfect." Um, most people don't have that, so um, and that's it's easier to add licenses at that point. So I also see an interesting trend. You look at the success of Funko Pops, which in a sense is maybe minimalist plastic figures based on pop culture. What do you see as the main demographic for your artwork, and are they both in the similar you know, demographic lane? Uh, I no, actually. I mean, it's similar in the case of it's, it's a matter of, uh, of creating a product and, um, and uh, acquiring licenses to replicate it. But... It, the demographics is actually quite different in that um, uh, I'm, I'm looking for people that have offices, that own a home, that, uh, that have wall space, that are looking for something that's unique, uh, that they're willing to spend a little bit more for, and that, um, that appreciate art. Um, I would say not all sports fans understand my art, only, only a certain percentage do, so uh, uh, it's a more of a discerning fan base. Interesting, and you mentioned wall space, and that leads me to this question. So I love all of your prints. Like, so I've downsized the five years ago, but for me, the ones that speak to me like, and, and pull up my heart are the old Shea, the MSG ceiling, and Mr. Oh, Met. Cool. And Mr. Met. Um, yeah. However, when I downsize, I don't have that wall space. So are there other vehicles? Like, I, I know you have the postcards. Like, do, will you start you know, doing some of these in smaller versions where you, know, you might not have that space for you know, a, a, a nice-sized print on the wall, but you might have an area where you could display these postcards like in smaller frames on a coffee table? Will you be going you're, you're- that route? You're getting into point where my business partner and I get into, get into anxiety attacks because uh, because the smaller the print and the more accessible we were selling postcards and it was, it got down to like how many of these postcards can we actually keep the lights on in our gallery and we're like oh this is too much we can't have postcards in our gallery anymore in our in our website anymore so it became an economics issue uh, with the postcards but here's the beauty of, of licensing is um, my license is only required to do artwork but uh, but. They encourage me to partner with companies to create other products, uh, which work really well. So, for example, we, we partner with a mug company, so we're doing all the mascots as uh, coffee mugs and probably tumblers soon. Uh, I'm doing a puzzle puzzle line soon also. Like, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to announce that yet, but um, you know, a, a puzzle of, of, of all my mascots. And, uh, and also, uh, yeah, so it's partnering with other companies that are um, licensed with the leaks, uh, help a lot to spread out the artwork at more eyeballs and um, make it like, 
you're, you're, that art is going to sit on your wall for 20 years. Like, let's be honest, it doesn't, until you die or you move, that art sits on your wall. It's hard to get repeat customers, but everyone breaks a mug, everyone needs a new t-shirt. So yeah. um, I think that's one way to spread my artwork around. So I, just so you know, I am contemplating. I have a Field of Dreams poster, movie poster, signed by Kevin Cosner to me and my son that says, you know, keep playing baseball oh. together. I'm contemplating, you know, taking that down and either putting up the Madison Square Garden or the old Shea, but I, I don't know if I can do that. That's the problem. Um, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a struggle. Our yeah, uh, so much to us. It's, unbelievable. It's not a necessity. It's, some, it's, it's part of our heart what we love so so uh, i think that's that connection with sports uh, yeah. it's the thing that we love it's not required expense it is it is it is expense of our heart so that's what my art for well speaking of heart you travel from stadium to stadium with your sketchbook and enjoyed the disney princesses dressed in the local team's gear it started out as a personal project but fans started finding out and finding you at games and you started giving those drawings that you created away over the last couple yeah. of years you've given over a hundred of these ballpark princess drawings it's like 250 now 250 yeah. wow um so to daughters sons wives husbands girlfriends boyfriends and mothers and fathers who share the passion of baseball and art I have to imagine that that moment when you give that drawing and seeing the faces of the recipients, it has to probably feel as good for you as either scoring a goal or hitting a home run. Can you describe the rush that that gives you to, to actually create it there at the ballpark that day and give it to somebody? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, here's, here's, I mean, this started for a lot of reasons, but I think the, the giveaway has, is for me is important because on Twitter and Instagram, uh, we don't need to see each other face to face and, and, and how the world works. It's, it's just so much nicer when I meet somebody. I'd rather meet one person than meet 5,000 anonymous Twitter followers. So that's kind of how it kind of, it, it works really well for me. Um, so yeah, it is a rush to actually just, even when people that don't know me or has been following me or people that we've been chatting on Twitter for years, um, it's just nice to just meet somebody and, and, and use the art as an introduction to them. Um, and then make and, and you know their their kids are happy. They're, there's a piece of art on their wall as an original that that means something to them. Um, that's that's yeah. It's an absolute rush. I also noticed that you do commission drawings. So how does that work? I actually don't do a lot of commissions much anymore. Um, unfortunately, I'm uh, because I have to spend so much on league league uh, league fees that I have or licensing and royalties and minimum guarantees and everything that I have that I actually focus more on the leagues, and that's kind of why I use the giveaway as a way to actually give people some artwork, because um, I generally, once, once we start talking about using my time for commissions, it starts costing a lot. So all the prints, they, they evoke such an emotion right away. I was just scrolling through them with Mark here, and I immediately just smile when you see something you recognize. Mm -hmm. Whether... Were there a few teams that had something that was a challenge to find is that signature thing that you would get grab someone's attention right away and have them identify with? Um, yeah, yeah, there's a couple of them. Um, so San Francisco, immediately it was the glove and the Coke bottle. Mm. So I did the glove and Coke bottle piece, and then uh, Coke basically came back and said, um, well, you know, we want a percentage of this too, and, and it mm. didn't make sense. So uh, I ended up doing the Covey Cove with all the, with all the kayaks and you know, Barry Bonds era. Um, it was just water with and a baseball right in the middle um so i do run into hurdles like that where where there's some legal issues or there's some you know i think seattle didn't like the rain that i put on like i put the roof <laughs> in the rain and they didn't like that so i had to change that so yeah i, I have to you know i have i have to make people happy so the one thing and maybe because it, it might 
infringe on the the either the NHLPA or the MLBPA. You know the the logos. You know we have mm-hmm. Jerry West in the NBA. You know Harmon Killebrew or Pete Rose, depending on who you believe in. Supposedly, the, yeah. Right. Um, have you ever thought of doing players in a minimalistic uh. style? So I'm uh, I don't actually it's part of a PA thing. Actually, I do have an MLB PA license, um, but I don't use it too much. Um, I kind of celebrate a different part of baseball. I think I feel like um, I'm a baseball fan or I'm a sports fan, and I, I love the game itself, and I love what the players do, and I have my favorites. But I think mascots and stadiums. I mean, it it that's a different, whole different thing. It doesn't matter if you're winning or losing. It doesn't matter what the score is. The stadium means so much to you. Um, the stadium invokes the memories. Uh, I feel players are a little more too direct and on the nose. They can be controversial or they can be, uh, you know, they good or bad. Um, so I find that I find celebrating that side of sports is a little is fun. The more the feelings, the identity of sports, not not the actual game of itself. Does that make sense? Hey, absolutely. So what you're saying is that we we probably will not be expecting an S. Preston like Houston Astros garbage can minimalist print, maybe. No, not any time. <laughs> no, uh, no, they probably uh, no. won't be too happy. <laughs> so, <laughs> is there a particular artist out there that speaks to you? Um, a lot of pop culture artists. Uh, Scott Campbell uh, comes to mind. Um, uh, Adam Hughes, I actually was a comic book guy, so I, uh, I do like a lot of those guys. Um, some of the famous minimalists, Escher and stuff, but, um, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I like all types of art. I, I mean, that's my Instagram feed is basically all artists from around that I meet or, or, or inspire to. So, um, but I'm all over the genres. Nice. Where can people find out more about your art as well as purchasing some of the items? Ah, um, my website is sprestondesigns.com. Um, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at sprestondesigns. But oddly enough, my uh, Twitter is pootpoot, P-O-O-T-P-O-T. Um, and that's where I, you can find me. Is there Talk. a story behind the pootpoot? <laughs> that's arable on radio? <laughs> it's silly. It's just <laughs> no, silly? No, no, it's just okay. silliness. I didn't even know it had a meaning until later on. Okay. Uh, I was just when I was a kid. <laughs> Uh, so thanks so much for your time tonight. Huge, huge fan of, of your work. It was cool getting to meet you because you know my son is uh, also is a graphic artist for the Mets, and I had shown him this years ago when I saw it, and he thought it was the coolest thing. And then when I ran into you at the Fan Fest, it, it was a, a huge thrill for me. So thanks for coming on the show tonight. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much, guys. You got it. S. Preston, minimalist artist, great stuff. I it's mean, awesome. It, it, it's so cool, and, and it's so cool how he's able to convey every stadium, it, like so quickly. With and you shouldn't minimize it. With you know, ironic, but there is. But, I mean, there's a lot that goes into that, yeah. and it, it's it, there's a lot on the canvas. We shouldn't say it's just one thing, but it's very, very cool. Well, as as a as a Red Sox hater, I I'm gonna have to tell you, I went through all of his designs. The one that he did for Fenway. The very specific view of the Green Monster and the Sitgo logo behind Just it. Beyond it. It is probably right. like the sliver of that is the most perfect thing that you can put on. So on, cool, right? Exactly. It's like so that cool. is actually my favorite piece, and I feel bad saying that on the air. <laughs> That's right. But the planning uh, that goes into picking what right. would be that that moment that is captured and and Get someone to be like, wow, that's that. That Stanley Cup in the trumpet mm-hmm. is just brilliant. Yeah. It's brilliant.